episode of Attitude Check is brought to you by Altus Professionals. In the business world, first impressions matter. That's why you want to make sure that you're ready when you meet that person who's going to help take you to the next level. They're going to mentor you, help start your company. You want to make sure your style game is on point so you make the right first impression. So if you're in the market for stylish yet affordable men's professional accessories, I'm talking sunglasses, watches, tie clips, ties, dress socks, you name it, head to altus-professionals, that's A-L-T-U-S-professionals.myshopify.com and make sure you use the promo code ATTITUDE10 for 10% off your entire purchase. They're already really affordable, but make sure you use that promo code to get that extra 10% off. Again, that's altus-professionals.myshopify.com, promo code ATTITUDE10. Make sure you check them out, folks. In today's world, it's critical to have a beautiful custom design website to take your business to the next level. So if you're a small business in Colorado, and if you need a website that stands out, check out Pikes Peak Web Design. Pikes Peak Web Design is the easiest way to get an amazing website designed for your business. Don't worry about the hassle of creating it yourself. Work with a team of local experts who's going to walk you through each step of the website design process and make things nice and simple for you. They built our website. Let them build yours. Check them out at pikespeakwebdesign.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 22 of Attitude Check, the business leadership podcast. Today we're excited to have Ethan Lavin as a guest. And Ethan Lavin is a really interesting person to not only talk to, but just listen to. You can tell by the way he says things, by the speed at which he speaks, that he has a million things going on in his brain at one time. And I really find it fascinating to be able to sit down and just deep dive into different topics with him. So John Mark, this is just one of my random thoughts I had when I was driving up to Denver, but if you had to describe yourself with three songs, what would they be? Feeling Good by Michael Buble, My Way by Frank Sinatra, and 22 by Taylor Swift. You know, John Mark, that's why we're friends, not just because of your love for Taylor Swift, but My Way by Frank Sinatra is actually on my top three list for songs I would describe myself with. So that's really interesting. I never knew that about you. So what are your top three songs? Uh, So My Way, Frank Sinatra. Uh, Second would probably be I'm Gonna Miss Her by Brad Paisley. If you like country music, even if you don't like country music, check it out. It's my anthem. I love that song. And The Final Countdown would probably be number three for me. Those are solid. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Ethan Lavin. Endeavor to challenge yourself every single day. Engage with your community, effect change, and produce impact. I'm John Mark Radspinner. And I'm Brent Sabati. And this is the Attitude Check Business Leadership Podcast. We have the conversations that young professionals should be having but aren't. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Attitude Check. Today, we have Ethan Lavin. Ethan is the program director with Exponential Impact, which is the first tech-specific technology accelerator in Colorado Springs. Ethan, thanks for being here today. Thank you both for having me. So before we dive into the meat of the podcast, we always like to open up with a quick icebreaker question. So for you, Mm -hmm. who is your favorite historical figure and why? Oh, historical figure. Outside of Winston Churchill. Outside of, because that's the usual go-to that I'm sure that people say. I would have to say, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough tie I would say, so my heritage is German. I was a German double major in college and I guess a controversial figure, but I guess maybe Otto von Bismarck, um, Germany unified in 1867 and one of the youngest European countries in 
I'm not going to go into a history lesson because this is a history podcast. <laughs> Germany was a very diverse country, a lot of principalities, and I guess he was able to you like overlook um, like the regional differences and able to unite people under one flag. And so I always think that being the peacemaker and the arbitrator is always an interesting trait to have. And I guess he would be someone that I can think of at the top of my head. Okay. And can you repeat him one more time for the people listening? Otto von Bismarck. He was the first chancellor of Germany. Gotcha. Yeah. Interesting. So if someone wants to learn more about Otto von Bismarck, where would they look him up? Is there books on him or? There's a bazillion one, like biographies about him. If you want to study early German history, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to dive into it. But yeah, he's, I would say one of the more famous early German historical figures. So library, um, there's got to be some Netflix documentary about him. I would say those are two good resources if you want to learn more about um, Herr Otto. Okay, that's awesome. It's a first for attitude check. Historical knowledge. It could be like you know George Washington, but I try to go a little international. Yeah, that's great. Ethan, how did you get to where you're at now as a program director at Exponential Impact? It's been a very wild ride, but I guess it would start you know going to college at Colorado College. I transferred from Boston University and entered my sophomore year at Colorado College, and I ended up double majoring in German and economics. And from there, I knew I was wanting, from those studies of working internationally for the State Department at uh, the U.S. Embassy in Berlin, to having various internships back home in Chicago, I knew that the startup world would be something that I really wanted to focus my energies on. And so upon graduation from Colorado College, CC for short, I took a job at a fintech company based in Boulder, and they're a startup that was opening up their U.S. office, but is based around the world with headquarters in Berlin. And from those experiences, I really decided that sticking with the startup world and taking my experiences that I learned there and giving back to a startup that's maybe just getting off the ground is something that I wanted to do. And um, that's the long and short of how I came back to Colorado Springs and ended up at Exponential Impact. So tell us a little bit more about Exponential Impact. And I know it's the first technology-specific accelerator Mm -hmm. in the city. Um, But tell us a little bit more about the accelerator in general and what you have going on now with all your new programs. Glad to. And so Exponential Exponential Impact, I really, I always like to say, is we're trying to give entrepreneurs utilizing disruptive technologies the best start humanly possible. And so we run a variety of programming. Our accelerator, we say XI for short. The XI accelerator is really our flagship program that's targeting seed stage entrepreneurs um, who are looking for mentorship, looking for investments, and looking for an overall programmatic curriculum. And so combining our 14-week program that stacks up on each other, starting pretty early of just getting them used to the, what the overall expectations are, and building up to an actual demo day that culminates uh, the September 18th, combining that program with world-class mentors from not only from Colorado Springs, but from around the world, um, and also investing in them, those kind of three aspects um, are what really make the accelerator such a productive experience. And just this upcoming October, we will be unveiling two follow-on programs called XI Amplify and XI Ascend, which are programs dedicated to startups that are a little bit more developed who are seeking to raise anywhere from one to five million dollars. So really at the end of the day, we are an ecosystem trying to support um, the startup really culture and community here in Colorado Springs. Okay. And for those 
listeners who are, you know, outside of the state or outside mm-hmm. of the country, when you think of Colorado, you don't think of startup no, culture. You, you think of Silicon Valley or yeah. somewhere else. So can you speak a little bit more towards what makes Colorado Springs a unique environment for startups? Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of military presence. Uh, there's a lot of space technology moving in. Uh, so what's something different about Colorado Springs that makes it such a great place for the startup world? Yeah. And so everyone knows that Boston, Austin, Texas, LA, Chicago, Silicon Valley, like everyone knows that story, but there are entrepreneurial ecosystems around the country and around the world. And what really separates Colorado Springs apart from, I would say, any other community and really from other states um, or from other cities in the state overall would be one, affordability two, accessibility, and three, the overall landscape. And so the quality of life, I mean, we have the backdrop one of Pikes Peak right in the background. And so mental health, mental fitness, I would say overall team dynamics, there's no better way to hammer out an issue with your coworker than go hike up the incline or hike up Pikes Peak or really take advantage of the outdoors. And so the quality of life um, and the opportunities that the outdoors provides, I would say is one thing that many other states don't have. I would say, secondly, affordability. I mean, if you're trying to live in Boston or California, I mean, you should be, uh, be prepared for 40% or 50% of your wage go to straight, straight to housing alone. And so the ability to be able to live and thrive in the city that you're in is something that Colorado Springs has over I would say many other cities. And lastly, I would say accessibility. Given that the startup industry and the startup market compared to areas such as Austin and Chicago and Boston, here in Colorado, it's relatively new. And so the open-mindedness of individuals and the opportunities to really make a name for yourself. I mean, we are a frontier state. Those opportunities to really pave your own way is something that I would say other cities and other states do not have over Colorado. So I would say those top three things are things that separate Colorado apart. And that's really interesting because I think the first two sections that you mentioned are very broad as far as why Colorado Mm -hmm. Springs in particular is such a popular place for millennials to move to and people to live in general. But it's really interesting, uh, the point that you brought up about just accessibility, Mm -hmm. making it easy for people to to grow and develop what they want to, you know, whether you're in the tech sector, in a startup company, you know, even if you have some other industry or career you're looking towards, Mm -hmm. this is just a great place to be if you're trying to grow and develop. Yeah. I mean, there's really Colorado Springs. The market is not, there's still much, so much more room. The market's not saturated. And so if you're willing to, you know, work hard and really have a lot of passion and interest, you can find your place. I mean, the unemployment rates below the national average is like 3.1 or 3.2%. Uh, there are scaling startups, scaling businesses, scaling corporations. And so really um, anyone can make their mark here in Colorado Springs um, with the right passion, with the right connections and with the right grit. And so people may think of Denver and Boulder, not to, you know, hark on those two cities, great cities. I lived in Boulder previously and I love it to death. Um, but Colorado Springs has a unique, I guess, je ne sais quoi, the French word for it. That, that's something you can, that you can't put your finger on it. It has something that's unique um, and specifically, I guess, in the job market and ways to thrive and grow. Absolutely. And you have a very interesting educational background as far as double majoring in German yeah. and economics. <laughs> at least. So what are some of the key things you took away from those kind of two, you know, different spaces that yeah. are helping you now in your career or that you can apply to startup culture or technology? Yeah. And so I'd say, ironically, German has opened up more doors for me. Um, it's taught me a lot of lessons. I mean, 
I guess econ's the more interesting thing, so I guess I'll start with econ first. But the ability of economics is not an exact science. People think it's as, I mean, it's not, it's not like chemistry, it's not like physics, it's not like other sciences, it's a social science. And with that, you have a lot of different theories, a lot of different practices, and a lot of very staunch beliefs. And so taking that of where you can have uh, an outcome occur and people take two different sides to the coin. Uh, economics has helped me analyze, I guess, someone who has a startup, they may see their startup as thriving, that they don't see a potential problem. And having that open-mindedness and ability to evaluate an occurrence and from different lenses, that is something that you need to have and something that I brought with me from my educational background and what I brought to my job. Uh, secondly, when it comes to German, um, I would say the language teaches you. German has tons of different dialects in the startup world. People are incredibly diverse with different backgrounds, with different experiences. And having that cultural sensitivity, cultural awareness, um, we always say that awareness and authenticity are key traits that you need to have. And having that mindfulness that people react in different ways and that there's no one-size-fits-all policy when it comes to coaching and mentoring and growing a startup. And so having that awareness and having that mindfulness are things that I brought from my, I guess, German education that I brought to my job currently. Yeah. And it's cool that you experienced that through, you know, just the German education process mm -hmm. um, and, you know, living abroad in different places. I yeah. think having that open perspective gained from seeing other cultures is a, a huge thing. And, you know, one of the many benefits of being able to travel and see the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I consider myself incredibly fortunate. I mean, I, I've lived and studied in London, I've lived, lived and studied in Hamburg, Germany, in Berlin, Germany, traveled all throughout Europe and Southeast Asia. And so those experiences, um, it, they teach you a few things. One of just about like how, you know, the rest of the world operates. I mean, just because you're, you have your way that works perfectly well, it doesn't disqualify anyone's others, like modus operandi or way of doing things. And so those abroad experiences have definitely taught me that there are many ways to skin a cat. There are many ways to do things. Um, and so those are things that I, you know, I definitely picked up and I hope that, you know, people learn through those experiences as well. So speaking of a lot of different ways to do things and skin a cat, mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, Colorado College is not what I would describe as a, a cheap college no, to attend. it's not. <laughs> and you definitely have a lot of great takeaways from your education. Yeah. And obviously I've gained a lot of value from it. Yeah. But... In today's day and age, that's not necessarily the best option for everyone. No. It's not necessarily an affordable mm -hmm. option, and not there's like a that. lot of different talks. So can you tell us about what value you gained from having that traditional yeah. college education and where you see that going in the future, too? Yeah, so it really depends on the individual. For my case, the reason I guess I was attracted to Colorado College, it's a very unique system, and so just speeding through it, instead of taking four classes a semester like any ordinary university around the world, um, you take one class at a time for three and a half weeks for three hours a day. So it's an incredibly intensive experience. So what you would normally do in a week, I would do in a day. What you do in a semester, I do in 18 days. And that experience of fully committing to something, that that's all you do, that's something that I was looking for, looking for incredibly passionate people who are willing to dive headfirst into a subject and are able to eliminate all the noise in the background. And so that model, and I mean, we can dive into the U.S. higher education you know, system. I mean, and that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> but for that system worked for me. Many other people, I mean, they're not, they're looking for a university that is workforce development that leads straight to a job. Colorado College is a liberal arts institution. It's about exploring the self and the individual and the community around you. And for some people, um, I can completely understand that their focus is differently. And so for uh, higher education in general, I 
really kind of see it as segmenting out. So for folks who want to go to a trade school, they become an electrician. For someone who's looking for, you know, straight to workforce, they may go to a state school or a um, community college. And for folks who want to really dive into more philosophical subjects or dive into have a unique education, I would say liberal arts is something that's good for them. So I just see things kind of segmenting more than they currently are. And having that unique program at Colorado College, did you find that it was easier to retain and extrapolate information from having such an intensive focus on just this one thing mm-hmm. for, you know, an entire, you know, what was it like a month? 18 from, days. 18 days. A little less than a month. Uh, I would say yes. And so teachers assign you, let's say I've read seven, eight books in 18 days. There's no way you can finish that if you're reading the books and, you know, sitting down with a cup of tea um, at night and reading page by page and highlighting. You need to develop reading strategies. You need to develop ways to quickly analyze a paragraph. And so they push you in order to adapt. And they don't tell you, they don't tell you you're not going to be able to finish these books on time if you do it the way you've done it. That's something you have to teach yourself. And so I guess my retention skills, ability to read analytical papers, I mean, for, I wrote two separate theses. One I wrote all in English, one I wrote all in German. The ability to gather all this information and write uh, an economics thesis in, what, 36, 72 days um, by reading tons of papers, I would say the ability to analyze and retain information is something that you teach your, yourself as a result of the education that you derive. And is that something you still apply frequently now? Or do you, now that you're out of that program, do you kind of take a more laid back? You know, I can enjoy yeah. reading. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely a little bit more laid back. But sometimes you see yourself drifting into it. Or if I had to like crunch through a bazillion one emails that are very, very detailed or collect feedback and analyze it quickly. Those are, I mean, you cherry pick here and there. So it's definitely a little bit more laid back. I'm not writing economics theses anymore. Um, but there definitely the, the, you pick up the key traits um, that you get for education, and I still apply them in my job, in my day-to-day life. Absolutely. So if someone's looking to up their reading and analysis game, what kind of, what are some quick tips you'd give them? Yeah, and so usually the beginning and ending of paragraph sections, um, they they, anal- they have a summary of the overall argument. I mean, it's like the, the first three pages of a book. You can skip to chapter one and just skip where the author's overlaying, kind of outlining their arguments, but it's those things where you have just a summary of the overall text. And so paying close attention to intros and conclusions, um, having the actual author's insights and prologues and epilogues, those lay out um, what an author in a book is going to do, what a professor in a scholarly article is going to write, what somebody in email, what the body of the email contains. Um, most people do that. And so I would say paying close attention to any intro or conclusion, it's going to highlight what the meat of the body will contain. So moving back towards XI and the technology yeah. space, you obviously get to see people come in from around the world with mm-hmm. all kinds of new ideas. What are some of the exciting things that you get to see and experience in the world of tech or just business, entrepreneurship, anything really? Yeah. And so I would say uh, it's really amazing the amount of ideas that people really have. And so I'll go to meetup groups in Denver, Boulder, here in Colorado Springs. And I've gone to things called accelerator reverse pitches, where accelerators are actually pitching to startups, unlike the inverse, which is usually startups pitching to accelerators. And people are incredibly forthright with the ideas that they have. And so whether it be a new way to connect uh, people with similar interests who are traveling internationally to building a community to ways to really improve 
what was somebody um, crowdsourcing aid aid refugees all these I mean and these are some of the entrepreneurs that I met around the world and I've you know traveled to South by Southwest meeting entrepreneurs and so these are just some ideas that it's usually comes from a personal story I would say the most the most interesting ideas and the most really ones that I'm most attracted to are is a pain point that someone's previously gone through they, they, they want to make easier for somebody else and so it's those personal anecdotes that be like hey I experienced this as a child and you know as a refugee in a war-torn country and I want to be able to help people build public infrastructure in their areas that they're currently residing in those personal stories that people have uh, really a brain blast from and then are fully committed to it those are just like the, the ideas that I really really cling to I must imagine with those being so personally tied to yeah. people's lives and everything you must hear a lot of things that you just you know people in this country in this kind of environment they never really think about I'd say people have a, like a lot of self-doubt a lot of people think oh this is not a business idea or no one besides me has experienced this and so a lot of people will self-censor their own ideas and then we even open up their minds to their, like the realm of possibilities of amazing business ideas I mean there's probably like somebody with like a file cabinet full of business ideas that they just don't think can get off the ground because they don't they've never validated their product or they don't believe that anybody else has that same pain point. And so I, I think a lot of, you know, these interesting ideas come from people who have experienced something and then just try to put it out there. Absolutely. And I think that's such a interesting part. For me, the favorite part about startups and seeing new businesses mm -hmm. grow is, you know, you learn about things and problems that you just never have heard of. And you get to hear the personal stories of why people care about the things they do. But part of your job as program director yeah. at XI is to lead teams, help people develop. So mm -hmm. can you speak a little bit more about how you approach leadership and team building? Yeah. And so it's, uh, I would say I'm only, what am I, I'm 24. And so it's, I mean, I only had so many years to develop it. And I feel like people usually see leadership as like the general commanding the army. It's me telling you. I guess my leadership style or the way I do it is obviously you have to have some sort of authority, um, but I would say leadership and mentoring, it's really about asking the right questions. People have all the answers. It's just jumbled up in their brain. And so it's asking the right questions and pulling on the right thread where eventually they are actually giving themselves the answer. And so it's you ask the right question, they say it out loud, which they've never said before, like, like explaining their product or explaining to a potential customer what their product does. You ask the question, oh, so how does a customer interact with your product? Like, walk me through it. And they will actually walk themselves through the entire process, which they've never done before. And so it's really about getting the individual to walk the path that they have not done previously. And so it's a mental path. And so it's really about asking asking the right questions, ask, knowing when to push, knowing when to lay back, um, and working with the different personalities within an actual team and asking different questions to different people. So that's, I guess that's my leadership style when it comes to mentoring the teams in our actual cohort. And would you be willing to give some actual like real world examples of how you kind of balance that, uh, you know, kind of pushing kind of hard line style with re realizing that you know, these are people, they have certain needs, they have different personalities. So how do you balance those to make sure that you're hitting both points? So people respond in a bunch of different ways. And so taking our cohort, current cohort and our previous cohort, some people like to argue. Some people like to be a little bit argumentative and they're expecting you to push back. 
they they want a response. And so that's sometimes people interact uh, via very forthright. And it's, they're not meaning to be outright aggressive. That's just what they're used to. It's like, I want you to tell me and I'm going to tell you. And I don't take that personally, but when it comes to leadership and working with, with those individuals, you have to be much more firm. Um, for some other people, being called out in front of other people, it sometimes has to be much more of a private conversation, a much more of a give and take. And some people sometimes feel threatened. If you ask a question that seems too targeting, it can be seen as like, oh, you're attacking me and my physical being. And so it's really about learning how different people uh, react to a certain situation and segmenting those people in different groups of so people who are okay taking direct feedback in a group being called out and others who are not. And that really comes down to leadership and having that awareness of knowing your audience at the end of the day. And was that something that naturally just came to you the more you worked with these different cohorts? Or is that something you kind of looked into from more of an analytical mind? I would say it's something that's definitely evolved. I mean, by no means, I was not like an aware and tolerant person. So sometimes like if someone said something in email, I would just lose my top over it. I'm like, that person's a jerk and they know it. Like they, they knew what they were doing, what was wrong. And I sit back a little bit. I'm like, well, no, like they have, let's say they're a police officer or they're a teacher or someone usually in control of a classroom or control of their workspace or they're, you know, they have a military background. They're used to me more like dictating. And so these are things that I've just acquired by working with different people and different backgrounds. And so it's something that's definitely been acquired along the way. It did not come outright. And I've learned the hard way about that. Yeah. And I think that's definitely one of the, the hardest lessons to really ingrain in yourself and absorb is realizing that there's so many different types of people and just being yeah. able to be flexible and find which communication style suits this individual best. Oh, absolutely. And Ethan, you mentioned to me before that XI has a lot of great advisors and mentors that help mm -hmm. different cohorts and startups really work through their processes. So what's your opinion on mentorship and how do you see that affecting both your own life and the life of the people that you work with? Oh, I mean, I would say it plays the predominant portion of it. I mean, everyone thinks the accelerator, you come for the program at the program's real, the, where the real goal of the, it is. Like, that's why you're there. And I always like say like, no, I mean, the program is probably 20 to 30% of the value proposition. Another 20% is probably the investment, but I would say 50% comes from mentorship. I mean, we have unbelievable people with amazing backgrounds in this community who are looking to give back who are subject matter experts in ui ux marketing finance accounting um, growth and scaling growth acceleration all these different subjects and who are looking for a way to give back all our mentors do this for free it is pro bono they're not being paid and i remember last year people were wanting to you know chat with our team and meet those folks in our cohort and so mentorship for the teams means everything and then on a personal level um, again, I'm only, what, 24 years old, I get to be surrounded by folks who are all the way from small business owners who really struggled to build a business to the ground up or folks who are upper echelons and are COOs and the ability to network with those folks who've had um, who've different educational experiences, different industries, all the way from defense contracting to nonprofit, all those people I get to meet on a daily basis, um, I can like I am also like an in, I, as an individual, I'm also learning from the programs that I run, and because I get to meet with these mentors and get to chat with them, and get to sit in on the meetings that they have with the individual startups in our program, and so I'm learning just as much um, as these startups, and that's really the role of mentorship I see on my personal life and also the teams and our programs that we run. 
So it sounds like you gain a lot of value from the mentors that are already there within the program. Mm -hmm. um, are there any key influencers that you've had throughout your life, maybe through education or childhood or you know, yeah. people you've met abroad? The most I've ever learned really is from your peers. Teachers are great, but the most amount of time is when you spend somebody with a significant other, a friend, uh, a classmate. And so I guess the best mentors in my life, besides like those you know, adult figures, whether it be a parent or professor, have been the people who I've taken classes with who are my work colleagues uh, because we come, you know, take a bunch of different angles. And so it's my own work colleagues that I interact with on a daily day basis. Those are like mentors for me because then I were growing together at the same time and I'm giving to them just as much as they were giving to me. And so I'd say it's just like an even playing field level of mentorship. And so I guess I kind of take it a different angle besides the traditional, oh, you have a boss or you have a parent or you have... Um, someone who's sponsoring you, whether it be through education. So I would say I would take a almost flip it on its head a little bit of like, yes, those people, absolutely. Uh, but also people who are sitting across the table from you. Absolutely. I mean, that, that saying iron sharpens iron comes from somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I really love that point, too, because in my own personal life, I feel like where I start to buckle down in just you know, the jobs I was doing or what I want to do when I found some peers that yeah. I looked at them like, wow, they're, they're really hustling and they're really yeah. putting me to shame in how much work I'm doing. So I, I love that you brought that up. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where I think, and so like those powerhouse people that you were just mentioning, I think a lot of it is people don't even see that the individual that you see as like the prom king or the, like the person who has an amazing job, like they are just as unsure about their life, their job, their personal situation as you are. And so sometimes it takes piercing through that veil of confidence that everyone puts up the walls that they never want to be vulnerable. Sometimes it takes piercing through that to actually realize and be like, well, look, look, like that person who has like the killer job, the great house, the great life, like they are struggling with the same things that I am. They're asking the exact same questions that I am. They are really pursuing the same interests that I am. So it sometimes takes, you know, a little bit of work to pierce through the confidence and realize that like, no, like you as an individual are just as strong as that consultant at McKinsey who's also graduated with you. And do you use that philosophy to kind of just as an internal thing to reassure yourself that, you know, there's a, a process to life, it goes in whatever direction it's going to take, or do you use that as a tool to build relationships with people that you see that are movers and shakers and that you want to reach out to? I would say more of the former. I mean, it's some, it's hard to, you know, I, confidence is something that everyone struggles with. So to realize and talk yourself and be like, no, like I'm only 24. Like I have a, you know, I have an amazing job and amazing life. Like, and just to reassure yourself that everyone is the exact same boat with you. That's, I would say it's more com like gives me more confidence that like I am leading, living the life that I want to, and I'm just exactly where I need to be. Um, I mean, that can like kind of flows into like views that I have, of, like a piece of advice, like everyone, like there's no one path. It's like if you, no one has their dream job straight out of college, no one has no one. It's like, like it's like the people who peak in high school who wear their bomber jackets when they're 30. Like that's not like <laughs> that's not a thing. Like it's it's really not. And so to realize that, like, no, like you are whether you see it or not, like you are a leader in your community with whatever you do. And if you perfect it, and you try and to really teach other people want to give back. That is exactly where you need to be. And that's something that I try to live with my every single life to talk myself be like, no, like I'm exactly where I need to be. Pe I am valuable. People value me and I am benefiting the community. 
those are kind of the few kind of pieces of advice that I try to talk to myself and tell myself and also live my life according to. And are there certain things you do to kind of reaffirm that, whether that's a certain ritual or routine, or uh, I know you like to go in the outdoors a lot. So Mm -hmm. is that a part of it too? Oh, I would say definitely outdoors, but that's like the classic Colorado thing. Like shamelessly, I will completely talk to myself, like in front of a mirror, be like, Ethan, everything is fine. You're doing great. Like I'm not a big leadership development person reading those self-help books. I'm not a big person who's into that, but I will shamelessly um, talk to myself if I'm on the car ride going to like a stressful business meeting or in the morning getting dressed and be like, you've got this, like you've built this, you know, you know this better than anybody else. Um, so yes, is it embarrassing? Do you look like a fool talking to yourself in the morning in the mirror? Absolutely, but there's no one around to see you. Um, and so that's how I'm pretty shameless about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's honestly great. And I've seen a couple people uh, on YouTube or some other things that have these daily affirmations. It's oh, yeah. the same thing. They just tell themselves every day. Yep. And whether that's just on the car ride to work or talking yep. in the mirror, they say the same things to reaffirm what they're going to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Oh, yeah. And I think that's super underrated as far as just focusing yourself and taking the time to do that because it takes what all of you know, two minutes to do. Yeah. And even looking past the affirmation side and the mental health part, it's like a discipline thing. Mm -hmm. It's like whether I'm feeling bad or good or anything in between, I'm going to take the time and tell myself this every single day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you don't even have to tell anybody else about it. It's, It's a you thing. And so you can be as vulnerable or as not vulnerable to yourself as you like. And so it's a very personal exercise. I mean, you can do it with other people and talk all in front of the mirror. I mean, you may get some freaky looks from your neighbors, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's a personal exercise and you can dictate how long is you're talking to yourself in a mirror for. You can dictate how vulnerable you're going to be. And so it's something that you like, you can't control a lot in the world, but that's the one thing you can control among other things. And I love that point because it's something that I don't even think about is just being vulnerable with yourself and being able to just be real because yeah. a lot of people out there feel like it's a fake it till you make it attitude. Oh, yeah. You just have to push past whatever daily, monthly, yearly struggles you're facing and not confront it directly, mm-hmm. just kind of avoid it and have it in the periphery. So that's something that I probably should try is just being like, Hey Brent, how are you feeling today? And just being a little bit more in tune with my kind of emotional uh, wellness and mindfulness. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I think everyone should do. And for those who want to pursue it more, Brene Brown, she's a professor at UT Houston, has an amazing TED Talk on vulnerability. She writes tons of books about leadership. She works with Navy SEALs. She works with nonprofits. And books like Dare to Lead or Daring Greatly are two amazing books I've not read yet. I saw her at South by Southwest, and I follow her. I fanboy, like, follow her all on her Instagram and other pages. But when it comes to vulnerability and leadership, Um, Anything written by Brene Brown is something that I recommend to really anybody. So tell us a little bit more about uh, South by Southwest, because that seems like an awesome time. And I hear a lot of cool things happen there and it's evolving. And I get to see a lot of different aspects of what people are up to. Yeah. And so I was there uh, for actually recruitment. I did a roadshow across the United States. It was a whirlwind. It was two weeks. And I was like, you know, that's a whole separate thing. But another part of my recruitment was South by Southwest. I'd never been to... Austin, Texas before, haven't spent a lot of time in Texas, never been to South by Southwest. And put it bluntly for those who do not know what it is, imagine mixing Lollapalooza, the music festival in Chicago, with a the Cannes Film Festival, and then like this 
CES show in Las Vegas all in one two odd week period. Um, and that's what, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an enigma wrapped in a circus of how everything operates. And so I was there for 10 days, which was a lot. I mean, it is a lot of like shaking hands and kissing babies. It's a lot. It's, it's a sensory overload. And I kid you not, people build spreadsheets of like the individual tracks and sessions they want to attend, the individual um, music conferences and the music shows they want to attend, and people will sell Excel spreadsheets. It's like, oh, you're interested in uh, growth and scaling startups and you like Lana Del Rey? Like here are two little things. So that's a huge tangent, but it's an incredibly overwhelming experience that people spend months building. And so I was there for 10 days um, attending a lot of the startup-focused uh, events. They have pitch competitions. Uh, they'll have a lot of panel discussions, uh, things ranging from uh, government surveillance to how to how do you actually do a funding raise in non-traditional areas such as rural Oklahoma to how do you actually empower folks who are traditionally left out of the startup tech space. And so it's a wide variety of subjects that you can attend. There's no way to attend all the things that you want. So I always recommend to anybody, go in a group, take great notes, and build a great spreadsheet. But definitely a worthwhile experience that people should look at. If you're interested, yes. I mean, you have to have proper expectations going into it and do your research ahead of time. Like, do your homework of, like, who's attending, connect with people ahead of time. There's a South by Southwest app, and everyone who registers their individual profile. And so a lot of people, I got people reach out to me on LinkedIn a week ahead of time. They're like, hey, interesting profile, love to, you know, meet with you. So do your homework ahead of time. So you're interested in anything in the startup world, anything in city politics and government, if you like music, if you like movies, um, there's no way to really have a bad time in South by Southwest because you can attend for only the startup stuff. You can attend only for the film or you can attend only for the music and you can really delineate what you want. 10 days. That sounds like a really awesome time, but it sounds exhausting at the same oh, time. You're preaching to the choir. It was exhausting. I mean, it starts at eight and ends at midnight. And so it's, uh, you're, you're crawling across the finish line. I did that for 10 days. And so you kind of have to pace yourself. You can't, you know, going guns blazing day one I made that mistake um, and so it's really about pacing yourself again and building a great spreadsheet um, just taking the time with like you know there are only so many lessons I can talk and there are only so many sessions I can attend about doing a funding raise before I need to like take a breather um, and so it's it's really about pacing yourself I would say absolutely so Ethan you've mentioned a couple times that you're only 24 yeah <laughs> but You've Don't obviously have a lot of experience and you have a lot of different perspectives from the people you've met, the places mm -hmm. you've been, and focusing, I guess, on business and the startup world yeah. or just anyone who wants to try a new venture. Yeah. What are some pointers that you'd give to people as far as some keys to success or things to watch out for? Uh, so they don't, you know, go into something catastrophic and fail. Yeah, I guess I would say the keys to success, one is just believe in yourself. Um, a lot of people will have a great idea and then just stop because they think, oh, I, I don't know how to um, incorporate business in the state of Colorado. There are, like, I, so side, side, side note, I have a side hustle, you can say, and I have a, I'm a kombucha brewer. I actually brew kombucha. I have a co-founder and I brew kombucha out of my house and I actually sell it. I have never been a business owner beforehand. I've had no idea how to open up a business checking account, how to incorporate a business, how to find an attorney, all these little things. So just these are things that I did on my own. Like I figured out how to incorporate a business. So a lot of these things, like just try it. 
like I incorporated my business as a for-profit corporation, neither the board realized I made a mistake. I had to dissolve my corporation three days after I actually incorporated it. <laughs> $50 out the window between incorporating and um, dissolving. That was a mistake. I learned. And so it's a lot of it. I mean, it's like in the in startup world, A-B testing, testing two different things and seeing which one works. And so it's like, you know, validate your product, validate your idea. It's scary. You can screw up. I've, you know, had to dissolve my corporation three days after like incorporating it. So it's a lot of just, just trying, just going out there. You will make mistakes. You have to accept that you will fail. No one gets it right on the first time. And so it's one accepting that you're going to screw up, accepting that you will lose money and accepting that, you know, it's not going to be like the TV show Silicon Valley. Um, and so that's what I say to any prospective um, small business owner, anyone who wants to have a startup because they're two separate things and just try the worst that can happen is you fail or someone says no, and you learn from that. Well, Ethan, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. We're going to transition into our bullet questions as we close out. So recommend one resource that's helpful for you in everyday life. I would say there's a stock trading app called Robinhood, and they have a newsletter that they send out every single day about interesting startups, interesting stocks. Um, subscribe to it, and it's just a good overall businessy startup resource about up-and-coming companies. I'll definitely have to look into that. Um, what is one book that you recommend? Oh, go on a tangent about it. It's called Shantaram. It's a 900-page behemoth of a book. It talks about life, death, war, agony, pain. Um, I can't. I don't want to go more into it because I could t- dominate this podcast. Um, <laughs> but check out Shantaram. It's 900 pages, and it's by a New Zealand author. Well, again, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Share one parting piece of guidance, the best way to connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. I would say best way to connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Ethan Lavin, last name L-A-V-I-N. I'm very usually responsive on LinkedIn, Facebook, not so much, um, and Instagram, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> this is John Mark. And this is Brent. Signing off. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Attitude Check. Both Brent and I learned a lot in our conversation with Ethan. It was very, very dense. He had a lot to, to talk about. And it's really awesome to see all of the new programs he's doing at Exponential Impact. It's really great to see a new startup accelerator in the community. And I think Ethan is a great person to have on that team to lead it just with his experience and his thought process and his innovative ideas. Be sure to tap that subscribe button on your favorite podcast hosting platform. Because let's face it, you know you want to. And make sure you leave a review for us on iTunes. We really appreciate all of the support and feedback, and all the reviews help us out a bunch. Be sure to check back every first, third, and fourth Tuesday of the month for a new episode of Attitude Check, with the third episode that we release each month being our monthly check-in. So you get coffee talks with Brent and I. And check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Attitude Check Podcast for new updates on what we're doing and for different forms of content. And thanks so much to our listeners that share our episodes on social media. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much, and we'll catch you next time.